listening to the Gator Sports Podcast, brought to you by the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com. This is a USA Today Network production, and your host, Graham Hall and David Whitley. I am Graham Hall, your host, joined to my left by my co-host, David Whitley, and it is finally here, my friend, we are here It is UF Spring Practice Week, heading into the orange and blue game. Billy Napier's first and the first one in three years. I'm getting kind of excited. I am. You know, I I feel like Jim Nance, and I feel like I'd intone a tradition unlike any other. That's good. After the Masters. That's good. It's got to be copyrighted, though. Yeah. Well, this will be a new tradition unlike any other in recent, or probably in any Florida memory. Yeah. You know, I do remember when it would be a big affair, we were talking earlier about the Tebow era and how many fans would be in the stands showing up for a spring game. And I was mentioning in places like Nebraska where they're getting 54,000 plus. Not that like there's yeah. too much to do. Remember Saban's there. first game at Alabama? I think they had 90,000. That's just, you know, that's got to be like um, crisis actors. Yeah. Well, they were so hungry after years of, of wandering the desert and here comes the savior. Yeah. And he turned into it. And, and I, you know, I don't know what they're getting nowadays, but it's probably pretty close to that. He also is kind of like, at the time, I, I had to think that was kind of like that, like the girl or guy that like rejects you initially and is like, I'm not going to date you. And then lo and behold, it's happening. And everyone's like, oh, they have to gawk at it. That was, that's kind of had to be what it was like mm-hmm. watching Saban. Yeah. But, this should be, in a sense, a a version of that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not writ, writ small is what it's turning out to be because certainly people are looking as, at, at Billy Napier as a Saban-esque figure here, and he's you know, p- modeling the program after that. And, I mean, the program wasn't wandering the desert quite like Alabama was pre-Saban, but, you know, people are hungry, and this is a new, you know, the first real serving of something new, but will people show up? Yeah, that certainly is a big question. I know that Florida fans are hoping that they have found their Nick Saban in Bailey Napier. When you go into a spring game like this, there's going to be so many people that are going to judge your first showing. This really is, you got to remember, Bailey Napier's first competitive, quote-unquote, bit of action. And I say competitive in quotes because they are trying to ensure that it is a competitive atmosphere. you got to go back... the McElwain era, you didn't often have enough offensive linemen to field a spring game. That's kind of embarrassing in mm-hmm. retrospect. You you understood it in the moment, but you look back and say, wow, that's how bad numbers were. It also was an era where you couldn't just go get someone from another school and plug them in immediately. Yeah, and you, say, you were stuck what you saw. Yeah. And that'll be interesting because what you see Thursday may not be what you get in September. That's That's a huge point. I mean, we already have heard Billy come out and say, we need players close to double digit. We're going to put walk-ons on scholarship. You've heard it, and we talked about it last week, that normally that, that would be a little bit of doom and gloom for a fan base, but now that's just realistic. Fans don't necessarily need to be as down on the team after spring game as they would have had to have been in the, in the very recent past because you can maybe make those changes over the next few months. Yeah. And you know, you should never I think draw too many conclusions from a spring game anyway unless, you know, a quarterback goes 0 for 11. Yeah. kind of thing because it a lot of times, you know, the ones are going against the twos, twos against and and it's it's not a typical it's not what you're going to see come September yeah. when it comes to to the competitive competitive point. level. And you just want to see, you know, 
uh, some cohesion out there, and and you you want to be able to to say to say all right, like with with Richardson, all right, yeah, I, I can see some progress stuff like that. But you know you you can't like you know Lorenzo Lingard could could rush for 197 yards, but he may, that may not get anything this fall. You know it's just because it'll be it'll be he'll get more carries. But you know back back to to the big picture. You know just switching to a Thursday that that seems to be the funny you know the angle going in like like. Who will show? Is this a good move? Is this a bad move? Yeah, I, I could totally see the case for the reason to move it from Saturday to Thursday. I know that a lot of people were initially mad because you got to think there are people with travel plans hoping to be here for the extended weekend, and then that gets changed a yeah. month out. I mean, that's just unfair completely. But then you see that they want to be in prime time. They want to have that limited window. So many other schools are hosting their spring games over the weekend florida wants to get a chance to have as many recruits as possible in the area that are planning to make it a a long weekend but then you have the the 730 argument that people are coming from work and like do they want to be there until you know Mm -hmm. 10 o'clock at night at the earliest of it is it going to be a longer game i mean you can make the case either way i mean my feeling is all right so if if you have to stay at the stadium till a lot. You don't get home get, and uh, go to bed at midnight. You know, the next day's Friday. You can suck it up for one day and be bleary-eyed. I like that you be. have that live-in-the-moment type mm-hmm. mindset because so many people are going to sit there and say, well, why would I show up? Because the game doesn't really have much bearing on the future because you can make the improvements and it's now so late and all these other reasons that they wouldn't want to be there. Look at the possibility of there being inclement weather. All these, all these excuses that they could make. Yeah, well, you can always come up with an excuse to do in, to to go or to not go. Right. And if you really, if you really want to go, you say, "All right, cool. I'll make the best of it." You know, I you know I may have to stay up a little bit later, but it, it's Friday, and you know, and this way you have the nice open Saturday, Sunday weekend to do what you want to do. So it 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 all just depends. But I, you know, if I think if if you're a fan, a Florida football fan. I mean, you definitely want to tune in just because it. This is such a mystery package. I mean, yeah. you just heard dribbles and drabbles and what we've been saying from what we've been, you know, getting our our little intel. But really, nobody's really seen this. Yeah, I, I try and make that caveat whenever we are writing about the 15 minute availability window. If you read those takeaways on GatorSports.com and in the Gainesville Sun, I try and say all the time that. This is only what we can glean from 15 minutes, which is so often why it's about so-and-so is in a cast, Juan Black is in a cast, or so-and-so is wearing an orange non-contact jersey, or the tight end group caught passes, and this is how they looked amid the conditions. You can only attempt to describe what you're watching rather than making these, you know, big proclamations and saying that this is how so-and-so is going to fare down the line. You can't get anything from that from what we're seeing and this is going to be the best glimpse that anyone has had us the the tv media everyone sure the fans especially sure because i mean I, the 15 minutes we see like in the passing drills they're 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 throwing to no a lot of times there's no dbs there it's just you know they're just throwing to wide open receivers and you're just seeing well you know this guy completed 10 of 12 of course he better complete every pass there so at least i mean you don't know for sure this is one of the mysteries is how they're going to break up the team split them up you know uh, ones and twos on both you know just first team blah 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 but at least you know that richardson miller blah 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 will be passing against live dbs who are out to intercept these passes and things like that yeah you know that it's not going to be necessarily a non-contact walkthrough yeah. and just to go over a few more aspects of the competitive format, for those who don't know, they are going to play four 15-minute quarters with a running clock. The clock will stop for penalties, for timeouts, and at the last four minutes of each half. 
It's going to be split up, as David said, into two teams beginning with today's practice, Tuesday. They're going to be split in two teams. I'm very interested to find out how they're going to split the teams because, as you mentioned before, you've seen the ones going against the twos, and now you're sitting there saying, well, they're supposed to beat up on them. Or if the twos come out right. there and pick off the ones, you're sitting there and saying, oh, no, right. what, are, what are we going to do? So you're hoping for a more even split so people can, like you said, live in the moment and just take it for what it is, a glorified scrimmage that they're going to try and make as competitive as possible with the format and the team. Yeah, I hope that... uh that he splits it up equally to make this come. And I think he will. I think he wants it as competitive a game as possible because, you know, Dan, the last few, you know, it turned into more of a carnival with, with his games out there. And and it was fine because I think he had a better, better grip. At least he thought he had a better grip on what he had there. But I, I, I think, I think Billy wants to see everything as much as he, as he can, every, every inch of tape, every minute he can of these guys under duress or at least in, in game-type situations because, I mean, this is all you know, relatively new to him. This is a first time out. So, I mean, he wants to see, even if, if it's, a, well, assuming they have a third team anything at this point, <laughs> you don't know from what he's talking, but he wants to see these guys get as much, as much quality rep, if you can call it quality, as possible. And, you know, we're not going to be throwing any, you know, any, uh, you know, pretend passes to Chris Doring to, for a TD yeah, in the fourth I, quarter. Yeah, I wrote about that. I'm sitting there uh, thinking, like, if was that really Dan Mullen's decision? I, I guess we're going to find out because yeah. Billy has already set the expectation as competitive. We're going to yeah. take advantage of everything, which is another interesting note. They're going to go through a walkthrough prior to the spring game, which is going to serve as the team's 14th practice and then come out there and have the spring game, which is going to be the 15th practice unless something changes. That's going to really give the team the best chance at maximizing the time because you don't want to go out there and, and not have yeah. the timing well, for players that may not have played well sure, it's going, together. It is, I mean, for all the pomp and circumstance, it's going to feel like it's a Thursday night game on ESPN in a regular season, except your, hmm. you know, your opponent will, yeah, be, I, will be the guy that you've been facing the last uh, four months or, or four weeks any, anyway. Uh, but I like the fact that he's splitting these teams up, you know, for, leading into it. Because it just adds to a little spice, a little salt to the rivalry. Because you, know, you never, you never want to lose to anybody, especially if if you have been designated. You know, th- this isn't we're, we're going to be switching jerseys. First half you're going to be wearing orange. For, second half you're going to be. I mean, you are either orange or you are blue in this thing. Yeah, you have to go into the week picking one, and we're going to find out a lot more which players are going to be on which team a little bit later today. And in the second segment here, we're going to talk about which players we are looking forward to seeing on Thursday. We'll be right back after this break. USA Today's Florida Sports Network covers the Sunshine State better than anyone else. We have reporters and columnists covering Florida, Florida State, and Miami, the Dolphins, Jaguars, and Bucks. Like NASCAR, we've got you covered. We also provide the most comprehensive high school coverage available, and so much more. In fact, we have 17 news sites that encompass the state. Hi, I'm Tim Walters, host of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. Each week, this podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. From Pensacola to Jacksonville, to Palm Beach to Naples, and all points in between, we've got you covered. The State of Florida Sports Podcast can be found wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on any of our state news sites.
And we are back. You are listening to the Gator Sports Podcast presented by the Gainesville Sun and Gannett Media. I am Graham Hall, joined on my left by my co-host David Whitley. And now we are going to talk about, hello everybody, we are going to talk about some players we are looking forward to seeing on Thursday. I think that it the first one is obvious. It's Anthony Richardson. Of course. Let's just kick it right off. He has been really the surprise of the entire spring camp, if you ask me, because I think a lot of people, myself included, went into camp thinking, okay, maybe he's going to be able to do 80%, 70% of the work, and by the end here, he'll be ramping up, but maybe isn't in a position to go out there and be the starting quarterback for yeah. one of the teams. He was the surprise on day one when we went out there and who's this number 15 out there doing pretty much all the drills because we thought he'd be on the sideline and crutches you know, half the time. But you know, he he was out there and he quickly you know got was getting apparently first team reps. And yeah, I mean, he was a big, big mystery going in. And I mean, the mystery certainly won't be solved with what we see Thursday, but we'll have a lot more evidence to go on anyway. Yeah, we will have a lot more to go on. And maybe he will be open to, I think, a few more contact scenarios because they have tried to avoid putting him in those scenarios throughout much of spring. But now that he's fully healed, and I don't think you never want to go out there and get your quarterback walloped in spring camp. You want them to blow the whistle when a guy touches them. But he needs to have a chance to escape a pocket and show what he can do in an open field in a in a setting where he can yeah. open it fully up. I, I think that they have to put him... Because Billy has talked about situational football a lot throughout the spring being backed up in your own end zone facing third and long facing second and short what are you going to do what are you going to do when you know short yardage situations the entire field just having the quarterback being familiar with all those aspects I think one of those is going to include being able to open up in the open field because he attributed a lot of his injuries over the last year to not doing that so I think that to not have him replicate that in the spring game may be a disservice in a way. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of offense they have, they are building around him because, you know, the big thing with Anthony Anthony is you know, putting him in a position, in the best position to excel. And he's never going to be a a pocket quarterback, a drop-back guy, you know. But so part of, I mean, Napier's challenge and his, his whole offensive staff is, is to maximize – Anthony Rich put him in in the best situation and and to I mean let's face we know his biggest issue is just to minimize the pen, minimize the mistakes where where it'll take some of his weaknesses away and you know whether it's rolling out or whatever I've uh, listened to an, an, uh, an ex Gator QB the other day talking he says they should just have him just 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 either run or throw deep I said well you know at, those those are his strengths but I think you know the uh, uh, SEC defensive coordinators would figure that out pretty quickly. Yeah. So they can't, you know, vanilla it too much. Yeah, he's not Johnny Manziel, um, who is just going to, you know, make everyone look like their little league defender as much as people want him to be. I I think that he possesses top speed, but to say that he's just going to be able to roll out there and make guys miss in the open field, that, that, that works at the high school level, certainly. But for Anthony Richardson to lead this team in fall, he is going to have to be a pocket passer, an accurate quarterback, a guy who can go through his progressions and make things happen on the fly as well. They're going to run a lot of 11 and 12 personnel, a lot of two tight end sets, guys out of the backfield. and That's assuming they do have two tight ends yeah, at that point. Assuming that they do have yeah. two tight ends is a good caveat. But if he's not able to do all that stuff that you see at the next level and take full command of the offense as well as have 
these incredible physical traits. That's what made guys like Cam Newton so good. It wasn't just their ability to wow you with their physical traits in the open field and their arm strength. They were fantastic pocket passers at the collegiate level as well. And so the combination of that, I think, is what Anthony Richardson's ceiling is and having him get there that's going to take some time. I know a lot of people think that it's going to happen overnight, but when you have a really high ceiling, it's it's going to be a little bit longer of a, a development. It, it won't happen. Path, Certainly, yeah, it, yeah that, it, it's not like a light bulb clicking on. But you do need to see you know, better than what we saw last year. I, oh, agreed, you agreed. Know, although you know he, he is capable of getting in that zone like he did at you know against LSU, where he you know four straight touchdown drives. Uh, but and, and at, at, all this comes with the caveat: who will he be doing it against? Will it be the number one? defense or how they're going to split that up because if, if it's a mix and it probably will be you know th- that won't be the same kind of defensive quality he'll, he'll be facing in the fall uh, and you know beyond that it'll, it'll be interesting to see you know who's the other QB who gets the reps there I mean I, it looks like Miller is the guy on y- that yeah and and you know none of us have really laid eyes on him him at all other than what we've just seen him in you know, a little bit in practice so that that'll be very interesting and <laughs> you, you almost wish that the thing about the USF game when Emory last year was a starter, and in comes Anthony, and everybody goes nuts because he, you know, does the Superman thing. <laughs> what if Miller pulls off something like that, and then oh, that'll give us a summer of ooh, QB controversy. Yeah, I think you want a quarterback who is going to push Anthony Richardson. If Jack Miller comes out and wows everyone and looks like clearly the top quarterback, I think there would be a little bit of initial disappointment for some people. But then ultimately, they have to sit there and realize. Oh wow, we we landed potentially a yeah. really really good quarterback sure. if, in the transfer portal. Yeah, if, you're, if you're a Florida fan, you want right, him to like, look great, yeah, and regardless yeah. of what Anthony Richardson does. And I know the, that uh, there are kind of like some taboos with having two quarterbacks, and there's some mantras like you know when you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. But that I don't think is entirely true. Yeah, I all think, the time. I think you, you know, especially on the college, if you have two quarterbacks, you have two quarterbacks. Yeah, and and you can make it work. Uh, I mean, you prefer not to, and, and very few people do. But I mean, one of them will win the job. But they, it, you know, they're, they're much better off having your second teamer be eighty percent of what your starter is than being fifty percent of what your starter is. Yeah, you know, Georgia won with Stetson Bennett, and I know that mm-hmm. that bothers some people, but he consistently was a guy who was right there as the second string yeah. guy, and yeah. sometimes the third string guy, and then he takes over the job and then leads you. And it, you know, it never necessarily is a bad thing to have a backup vying and pushing your guys, and to have a coach who is willing to consistently reassess yeah. the room. And Stetson Bennett was blessed by having nothing but you know, 4.5 and 5-star talent around him. Yeah, uh, but he and, had some wheels, though, I guess. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, he surprised people as well. But, you know, and that gets into, you know, what, what, does, what kind of weapons does, does Anthony Richardson, Jack Miller, whoever is back there, what are they going to have? You know, it's, it sounds like they're pretty happy with the running backs anyway. Yeah, you know, I, I know that Jack Miller can certainly run, but when you look at the guys who are going to predominantly carry the football for Florida, names we've heard, Montrell Johnson is one that has come to mind. It's just kind of a bruising type back. I know a lot of people are going to miss Damian Pierce in this offense, but when we talk about a guy that's willing to lower his head and, and draw contact and make guys miss in the open field at the same time, Montrell Johnson is someone who has come into this program and in five months pushed the rest of the running backs. Lorenzo Lingard, always a good practice player. Let me say that hasn't really been able to put it together on the field. That's not necessarily his fault. Opportunity is a big part of coaching as well. But Demarcus Bowman, I think, is the guy that a lot of people expect to come in and just grab the job and wow everyone Mm. and 
take the, the reins of that offense and become the Leonard Fournette for Jabbar well, Luke. You know, that's not necessarily, I think, going to happen. You have a bunch of backs who I think are they're going to play, and who we're going to see stand out is going to, I think, give a, the best indication of maybe who is the leader going forward. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot like last year where you can plug in a lot of guys and they have different skills, but but depending on the situation. But you have heard relatively good things, or at least you haven't heard bad things about about the running back position. And yeah, you're right. But Bowman, you know, anytime you, you attach the five-star transfer Clemson, people get stars in their eyes right away. Uh, it, but you know, let's face it, last year was was they were stacked at, at running back. And, you know, if, if Naquan Wright is healthy this year, I mean, I, that is the one thing, you know, one position that I don't think uh, Florida fans need to lose any sleep over this summer as they ponder. You know, I mean, the, the other the other weapons, uh, I, that is uh, that that could lose some sleep. I mean, because <laughs> because let's face it. I mean, we all know tight end is just you know it, it's just a, a desert right now. You got you got one you know two, two guys who can't lift their arms over their heads because they're in you know recovering from surgery, uh, and you know and and wide receiver mystery. Uh, you know maybe the first two or three you can depend on, but beyond and, and certainly no game breaking uh, kind of you know guys that, that make you fear. You know, everything's going to be deep. So, uh, and that gets back to okay, who you know who who will be out there coming in from the transfer portal? And, and it occurred to me maybe one reason I think Billy Napier might have been happy to switch to Thursday is because I think what Georgia has its spring game uh, Saturday. I think so. Alabama, yeah. a bunch of teams do. I I think he's going to send some of his you know 432 staffers to all these games to be to be uh, talking to people and whispering to guys as they come on the field. Hey. Psst. Hey, come over here. I, <laughs> you know, so, so you, you don't have that much. You know, I think you got a future down in games. That, that, that'd be pretty funny if he was doing that. That's pretty strategic. I think you want to coach thinking ahead. You know, I got to say, regarding the running backs, I wish people were more in love with the term stable of backs than they were with those stars you talk about. Because yeah. in the day and age, really, where one guy is going to carry the load, that has so many negatives associated with it for those players at the next level that you don't necessarily want that as a coach, to be burning a guy out at the collegiate level. You talk about pass catchers. I'm very intrigued to see what we're going to see out there from the wideouts um, and the tight ends, of course. We've written a lot about the tight ends and, and what has happened from an injury standpoint and how they may assess that room through the transfer portal. But you may see some freshmen that come in here, three guys that are capable of playing the position, Tony Livingston, one of them, Hayden Hansen out of Texas, and Arliss Boardingham, who we talked about last Sir, week. Sir Arliss Boardingham. Sir Arliss Boardingham, yes. Um, fantastic guys at the high school level who dominated with their physical tools, height and wingspan, but are they going to be able to come in and actually contribute in this room at a position where you can't just be a wideout? You have to put you know, your, your hips together and put a hand in the dirt and... <laughs> yeah. Well, if any position, block someone, yeah. man. Like, if there's any can position freshmen where do that, well, yeah. Well, if, if there's any position where freshmen can, and I mean, uh, yeah, who's the kid at Georgia? You know, the, the super freshman last year at tight end, uh, named the skate, but you know, he he was arguably the best player on that team. You know, the kid from California who, uh, gosh, I, I got I, you. Yeah, names escape me too. Yeah, there's so yeah. many. I'm sure all you people out there will will know You're it right away. Us for not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. But, so it, it can be done, but that you know that guy was is an, you know, I think an exception. But I mean, sure, there there's an opportunity here. That's why, you know, I would think that, you know, well, that's why Sir Arliss boarding him and the rest, one of the factors they decided to come here because 
God knows tight end is, is you know, uh, we're not looking at Kyle Pitts anymore. Yeah, we talked to tight end coach William Piegler earlier in the week about Kyle Pitts, and he kind of gave the conversation of Kyle Pitts and, and sums it up, I think, really, really well that so many guys want to be Kyle Pitts, but it's important to remember that, listen, you just weren't born Right. Like Kyle Pitts. I mean, this is a guy that they use the term unicorn when they talk about his physical, you know, skill set. And when we were talking to Peekler, I, I didn't mean to correct him in any way. But, you know, I'm sure that if you're a guy like Kyle Pitts, people just kind of assume that you woke up and you were this, you know, Greek god looking football player that was guaranteed to be a top four pick from the minute they stepped on campus. And man, that was just not true. The people that covered Kyle Pitts and saw him work from sunrise to sunset saw how hard he worked to become the player that he is today I mean from working on his footwork to becoming a good blocker there were people that said that he wasn't a good enough blocker his first two years and that he would not make it in the NFL if he couldn't he honed that skill dedicated himself I I tell this funny story all the time that he was sitting up there at uh, media day when he was a sophomore and I asked him how fast he could run the 40-yard dash, and, and he said he ran it in a 4.61 in the offseason, and, and his teammates kind of started laughing at him and saying, you, you can't run that fast. And, you know, flash forward 18 months, he runs it in, in a 4.44. Uh-huh. So this is a guy that worked his tail off to get to the position he's at, and so many people just say, oh, you know, I want to be Kyle Pitts. Well, to start doing that, you got to work like that. And you're hoping that that is the part of the message that guys are receiving when they're looking at Kyle Pitts, that he put the work together to get to the next level. And if you do what he did, you may have a chance of making it. Yeah, it, it, it helps that he had that innate ability. Absolutely. But, you know, the, you know the, 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 the road to, gosh, what might have been is, is strewn with millions of examples of guys who just didn't maximize their talent. Exactly. And didn't, didn't, you know, didn't put out what they should have. And yeah, your Kyle Pitts is, you know, when you have that, that generational talent and and the competitive drive to make the best of it, then you end up with a Kyle Pitts. Uh, but and you know, I mean, I don't think anybody out there has Kyle Pitts' ability, but but anybody can work hard, right? And so I mean, if these guys come in and do that, you know, they may be okay. You know, yeah, there. We're gonna have to look at the defensive side of the ball real quick here. Let's start with the defensive line. We know that Florida lost a lot along the interior of the defensive line, losing those three transfer defensive tackles and Antonio Valentino, Tyrone Truesdell, and Daquan Newkirk. Now, some guys who I think are pretty unheralded, inexperienced, are going to be asked to step in alongside Jervon Dexter. Jalen Lee is a name that comes to mind. I've heard that he is standing out in practice alongside Dexter. You saw that Florida lost Lamar Goods in the transfer portal over the weekend. He decided to uh, put his name in there, and he's no longer with the team. He didn't scrimmage with the team on Saturday. When it comes to guys that are going to be called upon, and we were talking about transfer portal, I think that we are going to see a lot of depth issues along the interior of the line on Thursday, and it could be a glaring weakness oh. in my mind. Yeah, they need, a, frankly, they need another coup like last year where they bought in two ready-made starters, fifth-year seniors from, you know, as you said, Valentino and Daquan Newkirk last year. That, I mean, that that is definitely a plug-and-play type of situation yep. now. And I, I, you know, we sort of joked about them <laughs> whispering sweet nothings in guys' ears on Saturday. Now, I, I, I am sure that they have been in contact with, with every de- defensive lineman who, who may have 
tweet tweeted something in the last year, you know, that, that I don't know, you know, here, find some dissatisfaction yeah, yeah. out there. Find, guys. find something to where uh, someone who wants to come in here and play right away because, you know, God, there's a help wanted sign hanging out there. Yeah. Defensive, you you know. got to think unless someone comes out there and wows you or or Dexter shows the ability to play all three downs. Right. Play, that's just it. The pro, that's the problem is that it's you know, not just one down. Right. It, it's three. And you need bodies there. Even if you even if you had three studs there, you're going to you, you need you can't you can't play them all the time. They're going to rotate in and out. Yeah. It's you and, know. and you know, that's what the Alabamas and Georgias do. They, they can they, they just roll them in so that they're they're not gassed and and. You know, somebody, you know, I, I, it's going to be hard for some of these guys not to get gassed yeah. out there. So that, that, uh, that, that is a, 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 what you see Thursday again, uh, you better hope it's not, you know, the, the extent of what you have come September. They're going to need some help, certainly from their teammates. And let's look at the edge rushers around them, the Jack linebackers, whatever you want to call them, outside the Jack, linebackers, yes. defensive ends is, you know, a term that they'll be most likely used or, you know, referred to at the next level. Brenton Cox is obviously a big one that stands out. He's now fully healthy. We talked about how he felt like he'd left some plays on the field um, last season. A Which lot is a that, nice way of saying he, he didn't bust his butt yeah, all the time. You know, yeah. and not to and say he admitted that, as much. Yeah, he admitted yeah. it. Yeah. And you know, not to say he didn't have a reason necessarily. Yeah. He, he was coming back from injury and was playing through injury. And, and you know, that's probably a big part of it. He, yeah. His ceiling for what he could do was a little bit lower. So are you going to bust your tail when you can just do less? In a sense, yeah. I think a lot of people can understand yeah. Of course, I mindset. think another you know, motivation, that he's, he's also playing, it's a salary year. Yeah, and he's also year. playing in a defense that maybe makes a little bit more sense to him. Yeah. I think we've heard a lot about how simple the, the assignment aspect is for players from coach to, to player, if that makes sense, how much more they understand their role and, and how they're being used and what they're supposed to do on each play. Maybe that's going to help a guy with Brenton Cox's natural ability and sheer talent and, and mindset. Uh, yeah. You got to talk about his mindset. Yeah. Not just the salary. Of course, that's a huge yeah. component, but the fact that he transferred here and uprooted himself and, and sat out a year right before the portal has to be something he's thinking about. He's prolonged making millions of dollars to achieve some SEC dreams. And I think as a Florida fan, you you want to root for someone like that. And when someone is driven like that, you, you have to get a little bit eager at their potential. Yeah. And, and, and the caveat, you know, he, he could be a dominating player Thursday night and look like Lawrence Taylor, but who will he be going up against? You know, with their because they have an indictment of yeah they have yeah. they have you know five or six solid offensive linemen, but you know if if you're putting a not so solid guy up against Brenton Cox protecting that court, you know Brenton Cox going and you know he's going to feast out there, uh, so everything comes with a little grain of salt this Thursday. Yeah, you know I did feel a little bad that we didn't mention the offensive line, but I do f- just wonder how much we're going to be able to glean from that because we know that they really have five deep and how those guys are going to be split up. Yeah. I think we know the names to watch for. So I, I guess the backups are a little bit intriguing, but I, I was less curious about the offensive line than really many of the other positions on this roster, because I think we know, you know, Osiris Torrance, Kingsley yeah. Egwakon, you know, well, I mean, it's just not Richard it's just, garage. It's just football fan nature. You're less interested in offensive linemen than you are skill guys. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's rare. harder to judge. It, it, yeah. It's, it's rare yeah. that we know, what we are looking for when you're that high up and you don't get to, you know, really 
slow the tape down and zoom in and look at their hands and look, look at assignments. Right. Well, okay, let's face it. That's boring stuff. Yeah. Compared to watching a guy catch catch a that's you know, the details. Yeah, a slant route and the turn it into an eighty yard of thing. The film for people. Yeah. Right. You know, that's the stuff you go back and look for on second watch. Yeah. And to I say that that's necessarily a priority. A lot of that's going to come down to matchups here. And, you know, if the offensive line wins, then, oh, we're worried about the defensive line. The defensive line wins, oh, then we're worried about the offensive line. So I, I totally am trying not to read too much into necessarily a lot of what's going to go on in, in the trenches there. Let's look at cornerback real quick because we know that that's probably the biggest replacement in the defense when you have a guy like Kyer Elam who is looking like he's going to be a first-round pick here in a couple of weeks. When you lose a guy like him, and then your second guy, Jaden Hill, is still recovering from a torn ACL, and you bring a guy in like Jalen Kimber, this unit is not going to really look like, hopefully for Florida, what they're going to look like in fall. So we're going to be looking at a lot of second, third-string guys out there, as well as five-star Jason Marshall Jr. So I'm really interested to see if this is going to be DBU or more like right. DB poo in a sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're right. There are a lot of guys dinged up, and uh, you know, Marshall does look like the heir apparent. And if there's a, a next DBU uh, uh, legacy, he'll. I mean, he had he did well enough as a freshman to, to, to figure he's going to make the next step up, and he's going to be their next you know quote unquote shutdown corner. And then what's going to happen on the other side? You know, with, is is Jaden is he is he back? We won't really know till the fall. Um, uh, and so that, yeah, if, uh, if you're picking on, on, if you're a QB and you're looking back there, you know, there, there are guys you, that you think I, you know, I can pick on this guy. Yeah. And those guys who are on an Island, the wide receivers, cornerback, same kind of argument I was making for offensive and defensive line. If a guy burns you and is a vertical presence, like uh, you're going to sit there and be like, well, uh, you know, what a pat, you know, what a pass and what a catch. Oh, wait, our defensive pack slipped that yeah. that's not good. So again, you can really look at it glass half full glass half empty type perspective but seeing Jason Marshall I think get more confident and become a lockdown corner for against anyone and starting against these Florida receivers who are pretty unheralded outside of Justin Shorter I think that would be a great start because then you would be like okay now this guy can be the number one corner and he can fare well against SEC deep threats yeah and and if uh if uh they, you know, the injuries clear up, and you know, they they could be okay, but because I mean, and also, uh, you know, the safeties, you know, they got, you know, if if anything, those two guys have have experience, you know, and and so, it'll, but they've also been two guys that they can't shoot straight sometimes. So, yeah, you know, we'll see what kind of discipline they have. Yeah, I, I wrote, I actually wrote about that because I was kind of shocked that Billy at first said that they were thin there because I understand the argument lacking depth right certainly certainly but when you have two guys who are returning as starters at that position and who have played already uh, multiple years and and trading possesses yeah. you know experience in multiple sp- spots i know that he could get a little bit more physical back there and rashad torrance a guy who has like you said taken some poor angles is the perception in years past when you return two starters at a position i think you got to be just kind of grateful and then you bring in a five-star in the room in Kamari Wilson and you have another former five-star coming back in Kamar Wilcoxon and then you have Corey Collier I know that you lose Jadarius Perkins and, and you would like a few more guys but I didn't think that that safety room at least on 
on paper, yeah. was really that bad from a number standpoint when you look at or relative to the rest of the team. Yeah, it, it could be yeah. it could be worse, right? Yeah. Like that's that's how I mean, it's kind of like, tight end. Is it, you know, and and it's not also linebacker. You know, Ventrell Miller has been missing for a lot of spring, and it's not because of injury really, but behind him they have a guy coming over in Dewan Black who played star last year, so he's playing his first spring altogether in his first spring in a new position you have Amari Bernie a fifth year guy who who graduated and is coming back and maybe maybe could be a guy who isn't here after the spring then you have Derek Wingo but really outside of those guys you're you're lacking inside linebackers with experience and, and potential right now I know they have some guys on the, on the cusp of of making that leap there but you really are kind of in dire straits if Ventro Miller goes down again like he did last season. Yeah, well, it gets back to you know what what Billy said from the start. You know, we need bodies because I think they have their starting twenty two will be SEC caliber more or less. But after that, you know, it uh, the the depth is going to be a big issue, and that that's not something that is going to be solved certainly completely solved with one transfer portal year. It's, it, it, this is where the rebuilding process is going to take some time. It is. And before we take this final break, we got to talk about special teams. Who is going to be yeah. punt return, kick return? Are we going to see any of that stuff on Thursday? We know that Jeremy Crawshaw is going to return as the team's punter in fall. He was the, at the position in this last season. But who's going to be the kicker oh, for this team moving forward? That's a big question because yeah. Billy kind of said that the kicking game has been uh, an issue for this team well, in spring. It was, yeah, it was an issue last all last year, yeah. as you could tell. Um, and I, you know, I'm I'm surprised that Chris Howard, you know, is is still around, you know. Uh, but they need some, and maybe maybe it'll it'll click in. But I I think they're they're really counting on Trey Smack, you know, the the kid they signed yep. coming in. And it, you know, if if any position, if any, you know, where it doesn't matter if you're a freshman or a senior, you know, if any. If any kid who was at the prom, you know, and would be at the prom in two weeks, and it, you know, and then he'll be uh, starting it, it on Florida Field. It, it's kicker. Yeah, you know? yeah, it, it doesn't matter. It's 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 yeah. possible. You know, you yeah. want that leg extremely fresh. Yeah, but let's he, say that they 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 really, you know, it, it, let's just put it this way: if they go into next year with the same kicking situation this year, uh, it it's not it's not a good sign. Yeah, they could be leaving points out on the field. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take this final break. We're gonna come back and talk a little Colin Castleton. UF Men's Basketball Roster Editions, and we're going to preview the NCAA Gymnastics Championship in Fort Worth, Texas. The Gators, one of eight teams competing for the championship this weekend. We'll be right back after this break. I'm Blake Topmeyer, and this is SEC Football Unfiltered, a new podcast from the USA Today Network. Each week, we'll discuss the hottest topics that matter to the passionate fan bases of the SEC. I've covered the SEC for eight years. As for my co-host, longtime sports columnist John Adams, let's just say he's got a few decades on me. Not as many decades as some people think. Contrary to popular opinion, I did not cover General Nealon, but I did interview Bear Bryant, and I interviewed Nick Saban, and I covered Archie Manning and Peyton Manning. More insightful interview, John. Bear Bryant, Archie Manning, Steve Spurrier, or Johnny Majors? Gotta go with Steve Spurrier there. He's the great quipster. SEC Football Unfiltered debuts this summer. Let John and I be your tour guides from the season opener through the national championship. Subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back with this final segment of the Gator Sports Podcast presented by the Gainesville Sun and Gannett Media. I am Graham Hall, joined to my left by David Whitley. And now we got to transition away from football 
and talk about what else is going on in Gainesville, starting with the UF men's basketball team and Todd Golden. You and I have both had a chance to talk to Todd Golden about analytics, the transfer portal, everything, the new age, and what he plans to do in revitalizing, let's call it that, this UF men's team. He can't do it without players, though. And he got some good news over the weekend in Will Richard, a transfer from Belmont University, one of the top 15 transfers, and a guy who can play on the wing, play multiple guard spots, considered a good defender, needs to improve as a three-point shooter, certainly, but making that leap from freshman to sophomore year, he's now going to be doing it in the SEC with Golden, the first addition for the Golden era. So, you know, kind of a big shoes to fill in a sense here when mm-hmm. you talk about guys who are going to come in and, and set the tone he, mm-hmm. he's got a some heavy expectations here yeah David. but if you're him you're looking around and said you know why not here right it's certainly there there are positions to to be filled there and it, he it's like last year you heard you heard uh you know flanders filling and you didn't really know but then you start looking and says yeah but you never know if a guy's going to make that mid-major to sec leap yeah uh we'll see but you know the, the, it seems like the raw ability is certainly there and and so he he's something to get excited about but i tell you you know the castleton news if 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 you're a florida just a florida fan regardless of what happens with football for the, this year the, I, that is the most consequential news of of this is when you suddenly a guy who you th- your best rebounder decides back for you know when when you figured he was a goner you know that is that is a major major plus for Todd Golden. Yeah, Monday Colin Castleton announced that he is going to return to Florida for his fifth season, his third with the Gators. A huge boost for that group. Todd Golden had talked about his message to Colin in his introductory press conference. He said that if he had a chance to go make some money elsewhere, he should go do it. But if he also has a chance to come back here, improve and and make a little bit of money in his time here as well, you know, with NIL. Right. He also should should look at that opportunity. And, it, you know, Colin has that recovery in front of him from the torn labrum in his left shoulder that he suffered in the right. middle of January. Right, and it makes what he did last year even more impressive because he you know, basically did the last two months with one arm. Yeah, exactly. He, he upped his averages a lot and still led Florida in scoring, rebounding, minutes per game, was... I, like you said, their most consequential player. That team went often as he did. And the Gators are significantly lacking someone at the five spot next year. M- Malik Reno um, transferring away from the program, still waiting a decision on him. But when you get Castleton back as your guy, that is just a huge oh, that, boost that, for that Florida. Sol- that solves a lot of problems immediately in yeah. coming back. And this is where you mentioned NIL. You know, people talk about, oh, it's, it's, it, the, they, they cringe and say, oh, God, you know, th- th- these kids getting paid. This is where NIL really came into play because I, I am certain that they've, you know, that the Todd, Todd, went, Todd Golden went to them and said, you know, we need to help this guy out. And I, you know, I don't know what it was, but you know, he it, were these the old days. He would now be headed for Europe or the G or something like that, where he could pick up a paycheck. Yeah. But, but now, I mean, I, I would, I would exactly. say, arguably, he'd probably make make as much here and live comfortably as you know, as a fifth year senior now, and he can work on his game. And he will have after you mentioned the surgery is going to happen. He'll have top flight medical care here and, and getting him back in shape. And I think Todd Golden sold him on he can help him develop a game more to the NBA style because, I mean, let's face it, that's what people want to do. And if you're an NBA guy, you can't just be the just a rim protector and not have an outside game now. And, and you know, he, he has an outside shot. Yeah, we've seen it. The, the standards for yeah. his position are a little bit higher right now. You got to space the floor. You got to hit it 
from 24 feet and beyond. And, and he has, like you said, the 18 to 22 foot jumper. Still got to work on spacing the floor a little bit more, getting a little bit bigger. Uh, it is a boost for him that he has that extra year of an opportunity to work on his game with a little bit less pressure rather than when you are on a contract and a team could cut you if you don't make the necessary strides. That's a huge boost. You know, I, I, I got to remind people that 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 inducement rule about NIL, you, you can't necessarily go out here and say, oh, the reason he came back was NIL. Right. But when you're a school, you have to, I think, think about increasing the potential incentive for a player to want to return on their own. You know, they call that the inducement mm-hmm. cause. The NCA, I think at some point, is going to crack down on that because you are seeing these players consistently make decisions determined by NIL and, and whether you can prove it's a quid pro quo or not well, yeah. is so the, tough. Well, the, the the laws are written so murkily that you can get away with anything right yeah. now. And you that, just have to make it clear that we're not, you know, this mm-hmm. is not the total the, re- the reason I came you, back. You it's just, just maintain deniability, and, and we all know college coaches are very good at, at maintaining deniability when it comes to players being recruited. This just happened like to be in front of me and yeah. returning at Florida, and I'd be dumb not to take it. It, it, it really helps me, but I wasn't going to come here. You know, without it, I, yeah. Well, bottom bottom line is they have you know they have a center, they have a, a rim protector, and they have a reason. I mean, he alone coming back would would make makes next season sort of a, a, an enticing uh, prospect. It does, it does. And Florida has an enticing prospect this weekend. And I'm not talking about football or men's basketball. I'm talking about the gymnastics team, which has not lost a meet all season long, is in fine form but now heads to Fort Worth for gymnastics championships beginning Thursday with the semifinal round. The teams, the eight teams competing are split into two groups. Florida is in a group with Missouri, Michigan, and Auburn University. The top two teams from that group will compete in Saturday's four-team final. The winner of Saturday's final is your 2022 champion. The Gators have posted some of the highest scores in the nation this year. Some of the highest scores I have ever seen. Whatever, yeah. And, you know, you would hate to see it all be for naught if they can't capitalize with this weekend with winner takes all. Uh, there is a bit of pressure here because they are, even though they're seeded number two and Oklahoma's number one, they beat Oklahoma here, uh, and for what that's worth. But you know, I mean, also as good as this program has been, they haven't won a title. You know, what now, four or five years? I think it's been six years. Six, six years. Like and you know, frankly, they've laid an egg the last couple of NCAA's. You know, they, they've been a disappointment. And last year, it a lot of it was the injury to uh, Trinity Thomas. Yeah, her and, ankles. Yeah. And their but their whole approach this year has been somewhat different. You know, it's been they have not put her out there, and and they're. They're very deep, but they haven't put all those uh, all the gymnasts out there early, early every every uh, meet. And you know, I uh, was talking to her Trinity about, it, and she said, you know, there's certain meet I want to, get, you know, I want to compete. But she realizes now they wanted to pace it and to be sure to maximize the chance everybody would be healthy going into this weekend. And that's what they and and if you talk about peaking, I mean, you look at what they did at the NCAA regionals a couple of weeks ago when they had you know her, uh, both Trinity and uh, Leanne Wong. Just, I mean, they got the top two scores in the nation this year, and and uh, so and everything is trending right. You know, if if they can just go out there and as they say take care of business, I think you know they should win. Yeah, they have to do that two more times. 
this season take care of business for a chance to be champions and capitalize on that season. Tough group that they are in, though. Auburn, a team that also they tied earlier, uh, had that high 198.775. And then Michigan in their group, like I mentioned, that's the defending national champion. So if they want a chance to compete against Oklahoma again on Saturday, they got to go through three uh, two other SEC teams, three of that four teams in that group. I mean, talk about dominance yeah. in the conference from the SEC. It's going to be incredibly interesting this weekend here in Fort Worth. That's going to do it for us, though, in the Gator Sports Podcast. We'll have more coverage throughout the week on Gatorsports.com and in the Gainesville Sun about the Florida football scrimmage on Thursday, men's basketball. You can read it online and in the paper. We'll be back next week with another podcast to recap the game before we get going into the summer. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.